0: Every day, we praise God for all the wonderful things he's doing. He's doing some awesome things, and we're so grateful. Like Dave said a while ago, or James, I forget what James, I think James once said it. We get to work, or one of them said we get to work for, and the CEO of the universe listens to us when we talk to him. Boy, what a privilege. <clears throat> I mean, I have worked for a few companies when it's hard to get a CEO to listen to. You've got to do something really special. To get a CEO to talk to you, you know, so I was amazed. I went to to get a CEO to talk to you, I think, when I was working for a large company as an engineer years ago. The executive vice president of that corporation called me and wanted to know if I'd go to Cairo, Egypt, to build a building. And I told him, okay. So he didn't tell me that he'd already had a couple, two or three guys over there for a few years and none of them could bring this thing together. So he wanted to know if I'd go, and I told him, okay. So I met him in Washington, and we got on a jet, and we flew over to Cairo, Egypt. Now, let me tell you, it's a long ways from, from Dallas. But we got to Cairo, Egypt, and I walked around the place, and for three days, I don't think I said a word. I was dumbfounded at the massiveness of this project, and I couldn't talk to the people. I, I was just amazed uh, at this project and how far it was from being finished. <clears throat> so at the end of the three days the lady, Mrs. Rioff, that was in charge of it for the Egypt Airlines she told the executive VP, she said, this man didn't say hardly anything in the last three days all he done is walk around and look said, he's not the man for the job he told her, he said you just give him anything he wants and he'll get your building built for you and of course I've done a lot of praying, you know, it's time to pray always time to pray but we started on that massive project, and when I got through with that project, three months later, I opened that project in three months to the amazement of this woman, and she could not believe the knowledge that I had about everything. I mean, we well, I opened a dry ice plant, an electrical plant, a... a, a Bakery, uh, you know, a laundry, uh, food processing plant. It only had 38 walk in coolers and freezers in it. That's all it had. Only 38. So, anyway, it was a massive place, you know. It was a massive place. But when God gives you the abilities, nothing's impossible. And you have to go into life thinking that I'm a servant of the king of the universe, I'm a child of God, I am a little God. I know some people don't like that term, but the Scripture says it. He says, once we become children of His, we're children of the Most High, and we become, as His children, the little g gods of this world. And then He told us, He gives me great pleasure to give you, my children, the keys of the kingdom. And then He said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. And if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father, which is in heaven. And when you begin to see yourself like that, that's the dominion and authority that was given to Adam and Eve in the beginning, which was stolen from them by the God of this world, which wasn't the God of this world at the time. He was totally the deceiver, and he was nothing. But when he deceived Adam and Eve... He became the God of this world because we transferred our allegiance from the Father to Him. And we transferred our dominion to the devil, and the devil became in control of the world. And that's when the Scripture says Satan has become the prince of the power of the air and the God of this world. So he stole all of that from us. So for the next 4,000 years, we didn't have it. We were his servants, and he killed us, I mean, just by the multitudes, and we belonged to him. And so men cried out to God for a few thousand years, and finally after 4,000 years, the Lord Jesus Christ, we had to find a man to enter the battle to regain the earth, because God had given the earth to man. And give you dominion and authority and power. And then we gave it away. In other words, if somebody gives you something, then you have power to do with it, whatever you want to. Is that true? That's hard sometimes when you do something and you build something, you know, like this earth. Or like me, if I built a big, beautiful home and then I don't need it anymore and I say, son, I'm going to give this to you. And I give it to him, and he goes in and tears the wallpaper off the wall. And I come in and so, say, good grief, what are you doing? He said, well, Dad, I'm changing the wallpaper. Is that okay? I said, no. He said, did you give it to me, or did you not give it to me? You see where I'm coming from? He might not have liked what I like. So when God made the earth, he gave it to us, and he gave it to us with no strings attached. Now we can do whatever we want to with it. Well, unfortunately, we gave it away. And that's really unfortunate, and Satan become the god of this world. Now then, we had to find a man. We had to find a man that was pure and without sin to come back to regain the battle to fight with Satan to gain back what we had lost 4,000 years before. So, where was we going to find that man? He had to come from the Father, because that's the only place there was no sin. Because when man sins, Adam's sin passed to every human being in the future. So all were sinners. So none of us could enter the legal battle. We were all children of the devil now and not the father. So even today when a human being is born on this earth, he is a child of the devil. I don't care who you are. When you're born, you're a child of the devil. I know that you don't want to hear that. You don't want to, you don't want to go there. But that's who you are. You belong to the devil. You belong to the devil until you come to the knowledge that Jesus Christ paid the price for you. And then when you and I come to that knowledge that Jesus paid the price for us, he says he came that all could be saved. But there ain't nobody saved. Nobody. When you're born, you're lost. Somebody, you have to teach. You don't have to teach a child how to be mean. You have to teach them how to love. You don't have to teach them how to steal. They know how to steal. You don't have to teach them how to take their toys away from somebody else. You have to teach them how to share. All the attributes of God, you have to teach them, and it's impossible to teach them to them in detail until they get old enough to come to know Jesus. When they come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, now then, you have been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of light, according to Colossians 1. And when you're translated into the kingdom of light now, you're supposed to know that you become a son of God. And you're supposed to know that not only did Jesus bear all of your sin, which the church has done a pretty good job on that. We've learned that he bore all of our sin. So he says, therefore, you're not supposed to sin anymore. But now we missed that. We believe as Christians, we're supposed to sin every day. I mean, that's the way we were taught. But that's not true. The scripture says, once you become a child of God and you're delivered out of that kingdom of darkness, you're coming over into the kingdom of light. He said, now go and sin no more. You know what it means to walk holy before God with no sin? Most people don't even think they can do that. But you haven't realized that you have been made now the gods of this world again. The little g. It's yours. You have dominion over it. You have power over it. He says, did Jesus say, it gives me great pleasure to give the keys of the kingdom to my children? Sure he said that. Did he not say in Matthew 16 and in Matthew 18, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven? Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven? And again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. Did he say that? Yes, sure he did. He said that. So if he said that, that means that our dominion and power is limited to the earth, thank goodness, because if it wasn't, there's no telling how we might mess up the universe. Look what we've done to the earth. We've done a pretty good job here, haven't we, Michael? And look what's going on over in the Middle East right now. Is man trying to destroy and kill mankind over there? But are we trying to kill and destroy mankind right here in this, right here in Texas, right here in Dallas? It happens the same way. So it makes no matter where you go, there's children of the devil, and these children that are children of the devil, they have not realized that the price for their salvation has been paid. Any human being, I don't care who you are, I don't care how bad you've been, I don't care where you've walked, when you come to Jesus and humble yourself before God and say, Lord, I'm tired of living out here in this devil's world. I'm tired of being beat up on by this beast. I want to come into the kingdom of light, and I want to be a child of God. If you're serious in your heart, when you ask him to save you, he'll save you, and he'll redeem you from the from the sins of the, your past, and he'll wash you and put a brand new white robe on you. Now then, if that's all you know, that's all you get. But if you learn that he also bore your sickness and removed your disease, when you get a hold of that by faith, you don't you're not sick anymore. I mean, this is a hard place for people to walk. Because it's a hard place for people not to sin. When you sin, he don't hear your prayer. And until you repent of that sin, he will not hear your prayer. But Satan knows that. So that's why he tries to keep you and me in a state of sin. When, When we get through with our sin, we get tired of living there. We come and ask Jesus to forgive us of our sin. And if we have committed any kind of sin... In our life, since we got saved, now you have to confess that sin because that blood—that that sin's not automatically covered under the blood. You have to use confession. But when you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, people said, Man, i got to confess every sin I ever committed up to the time I got saved. No, you don't even know them all. The devil blinds your mind. You have no idea what you've done. When you come to Jesus and you say, Lord, I want you. By faith I accept you as my Lord and Savior. He washes you. And that's where the word redemption is used in the Word of God. One of the places. And when He redeems you, that means He takes His Son and pays the price for what you had lost and what you didn't have. And now then you're washed in the blood and you're saved. And He puts a white robe, clean white robe on you. And He tells you now you're delivered out of that nasty kingdom over here into the kingdom of light. He said, now go and sin no more. And let my attributes come into you. And if you know it, then he says, Also, by my stripes you were healed. Most people don't know that. They can't get a hold of that. They tend to think sickness and disease. I mean, so I mean Thurman, how in the world could I walk in health? How would I die? Well, don't think about dying. You know, think about living. You know, we're supposed to live. The king told us we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live. We're not supposed to think about dying. That's not something, that word should never be in our vocabulary as sons and daughters of God. He come to give us life and give it to us abundantly. That's what he came to do. But if you don't know that you're redeemed from the curse, then you're under the curse and the curse will follow you all of your life. And even as a Christian, you will be beat up on I mean, the devil will have a heyday with you. And if you don't know the promises of God, you'll be sick and afflicted. And by not knowing these things, you will live in a place that's awful. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come to you, you're the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. Lord, when I I think about what you've done for us. So we can walk in life and have it abundantly and a long, healthy life if we will only do what you say. And you showed us in this word what to do. And Lord, I praise you and thank you for it. Lord, bless us today as we talk about your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. To start off with, I want you to turn with me to Proverbs 26. And we're going to read verse 2 now proverbs twenty six two makes this statement. Now you have to realize that when I read this as I read this, I thought, Lord, if this means what this says, it's, it, it's, no sickness and no disease can come to us without a cause but proverbs twenty six proverbs twenty six two says as the bird by wandering And it is swallowed by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. Think about that. The curse causeless shall not come. Well, when we think about the curse, let's think about what the curse is. He says the curse shall not come. Well, I used to read things like that, and then I wouldn't know what he was talking about. But then one day when I was in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, I noticed that almost every verse in Deuteronomy 27 says, if you do certain things, certain kind of curse will come upon you. And as I read down through those... I was intrigued at that time to think, well, it's, the word curse is used so many times here. I wonder how many times it's used in my King James Bible. So i done a look-up on the word curse. Curse or cursed, and I believe it's been so many years since i had done that, but I believe it was 169 times the word curse was used in the King James Bible. I thought, Lord, you said let everything be confirmed out of the mouths of two or three witnesses. So, if you've spoken this 169 times, it must be important. If you tell somebody twice, if you tell somebody once, maybe it's not that important. But if you tell them twice, it's a little more important. But if you tell them 169 times, you must mean business. Wouldn't you think? That's the idea I got. So, after reading Deuteronomy chapter 27 and 28, at the first part of 28, verses 1 through 14... I came upon 14 verses that I loved. If you obey me and do everything I say in my word, I will bless your socks off, John. Now, you and me both like that, don't we? Now, that's the part we like. But he says, if you will be obedient and keep all my commandments and my statutes and do everything I tell you to do in my word, I will bless everything you put your hands to. Everything. Not just some things. Everything you put your hands to, I will bless you. And you will not be under any kind of financial blessings, under curses. You'll be under financial blessings. You will be the lender and not the bar. You won't have to borrow any money. I will provide for you. And everything you put your hands to, I will make it prosper. Now, how many of you besides me would like to live in a place like that? I want to live there. Guaranteed that's where I want to live. So, I've got to do some dedicated study of this book and see what he says he likes. Because in verse 15, I want to talk to you just a little bit about these curses. and verse 15 of Deuteronomy 28, "...but it shall come to pass." Not maybe. It shall come to pass. "...if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe to do all His commandments." and his statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That's pretty clear. If, you, if we had time to read the next 60 verses, which we don't have, but I am going to go all the way over to verse, uh, I think it's 61. I'm not going to read, it makes, I'm not a man that's made sick, but I get sick every time I read those, all those verses. They make me feel bad. Because all he's doing in the next 50, 60 verses is telling you what kind of sickness and what kind of disease is going to come up on you for what kind of things you do. And I've come to realize in my walk with God in the last few years in this ministry that there is certain kinds of things that we do that bring certain kind of sicknesses upon our body. Isn't that amazing? But look what he says in verse 61. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of the law, them will the Lord bring upon you until you have been destroyed. In other words, if you walk in sin, if you walk in sin... And he names every sickness and everything you can imagine. I mean, he just goes down through there. If you read those, go home tonight and read Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, the first 14 verses, you'll love it because he promises to bless you with everything you do. But he says, at the beginning, over and over, if you obey. And at the middle, if you obey. And at the end, if you obey. It's real clear. Now, everybody wants to live under the blessings, but it seems like we don't believe God. It seems like we want to go, we want to have the nice house, the nice car, money in the bank, no sickness and disease, our children be blessed and everything, and we can do anything we want to do and still walk there. But that's not the way it works. It does not work like that. Now, the system to some of us doesn't seem fair. I mean, when I read this, and I think now the... The sins of the fathers are going to be passed to the children, to the third and fourth generation. I thank Lord. If a curse, if I'm going to be cursed because something my great-great-grandfather did, and then one day I was over there in Deuteronomy, and I found out in the Word of God where that if one of my past grandfathers had been involved in sexual immorality, and since sex is such a perverse thing that almost nobody escapes it, I mean, today, there's virtually no people that get married. There's a few, but there ain't many. There's very few people when they get married are virgins today. Almost none, even in the church. And what a sad thing, because that sex drive is the most powerful thing God put in an individual, and you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit to control your vessel. Guaranteed, because God put that drive in you. But if you yield to that sin... And you'll bring a curse upon yourself and your children that's going to come into the future unless you get that girl pregnant out of wedlock. And then you're going to bring a curse upon them for the next ten generations. That doesn't seem fair, does it? I'm going to be cursed for what my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather did. I didn't even know the guy. But I'm responsible. But see, when I learned that Christ had redeemed me from that curse, Galatians 313 and 14, that's good news, isn't it, John? When I learned that the king had come 2,000 years ago under Galatians 313 and 14, he became a curse for me so that the blessings of Abraham in Deuteronomy 1, chapter 28, verses 1 through 14, could come upon me when I claimed that by faith. I've learned that now the sickness and disease and demons that had power and authority over me. I could in no wise get rid of them. I was sick and afflicted. I found out that the king had paid the price. So it doesn't make any difference what happened. I can come to him by faith just like I came to him and got saved when I was an 11-year-old boy. I had very little knowledge of the Word of God. But when I come and knew that Jesus had bore the price for my sin, and as an 11-year-old boy, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that's all I got. I got Jesus as my Lord, my Savior. I really didn't make him Lord at this point. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You've done the same dumb thing. You can only go as far as your knowledge is. But as I later learned more about him, I began to make him my Lord. I began to understand who he was, that he was God, and that he was my Father. And that He loved me so much. But I, it took me years and years and years to learn that He had redeemed me from the curse. And when I had learned I had been redeemed from the curse, now then, when I learned that by faith at Galatians three thirteen and 14... I could be redeemed from the curse, and I could claim that by faith. And then I had power. Then I learned that I had been given power and authority over the demons, and I could pray and, and thank God for my power and authority, and then by exercising my power and authority in the name of Jesus, command them demons to leave. And those demons that had been afflicting my body with sickness and disease for years had to leave, and I got healed 20-something years ago, and I have walked in divine health every day since that. And many of you right in this room have done the same thing. It's wonderful when that thing grows up on your faith and you know you got power over it. Isn't it, Keith? It's wonderful. Praise God. The reason Ty could pray with him in such faith is because a few... Must have been a year ago, I guess, or longer. I don't know how long ago. Well, Ty had one of them growths come up on his leg. Three years ago? That's Wow. Okay. Anyway, come up and, of course, the first thing, him being a doctor... You know, he just took it off surgically, I think, once or twice, I don't know how many times, one time. He took it off surgically, but that devil didn't leave, he came back. You know, and of course, when the devil came back, you know, then he came over here and we prayed and every kind of thing. And really, even though he and I both were praying, it really hasn't come off until one day he got extremely angry at the devil. I mean, he got mad at that beast. And he told him, You coming out of me. And I mean he was fussing at that devil, he's quoting the word of God, screaming at the devil, and said, You coming off of me and you ain't gonna put that thing back on me no more in the name of Jesus. And guess what happened? The devil left and he took his tumor with him. Just like he left you the other day and he took it and you ain't got it no more. Isn't that wonderful, Keith? See but see, we got to know who we are as sons of God. If you learn who you are as a son of God When the devil comes to your house to tempt you with sin, you just tell him to get lost. You don't go there. Because when you go his way, you technically fall from grace back under the law. And that's where the devil has legal right to torment you. You've got to get a hold of this picture. Now then, when you get a hold of this, then you can come to this magnificent promise in Joel 2.32. Now I want to show you, this was under the law. But in Joel two thirty two, I want to read to you what the Lord says, and He says, it's a, and it shall come to pass. Don't you love it? It shall come to pass. Now, a while ago He said it shall come to pass if you sin, the curse is going to come upon you. I didn't like that too good, but so that meant it's going to happen, didn't it? So, see, if you're living under sin, the curse is going to come upon you, and I don't care who you are. God has no respect your persons; He has no favorites. And if you sin, you're going to get a curse, and of course, God assigns the curse, He speaks the curse, and the devil comes and makes it come to pass. So the devil is the one who puts sickness and disease upon you, but today the devil only moves where God tells him to go. God is in control. The Word of God clearly says that when Jesus defeated the devil, he completely disarmed him, completely destroyed him. And then the last thing the king said in Matthew 28 before he went back to heaven, all power in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Everything has to be subject to me. Do you think he meant that? Sure he did. If all power is given to Jesus, he is in control of the universe. Then why did he not annihilate the devil? Because there's no evil in him, and he has to give you a spanking sometimes, and he uses the devil to do it. You get out of line, he'll tell the devil. You know, there, ain't no, there ain't no sin in me, there ain't no sickness and disease in me, but I've got a child down there that's acting up, and not doing what they're supposed to, and they're sinning, and they're living in sin. Now, you have legal right to begin to do this. Now then, what did the devil, when the devil come to Job... Came to the Lord and the Lord says, what do you think about my faithful and trusty servant Job? He said, we well, ought to be faithful and trusty. You built a hedge around him and I can't touch him. You give me legal right to attack him and I'll show you, he'll curse you to your face. The Lord said, okay, you can do anything you want to him, but you can't touch him. What did the devil do immediately to Job when he got legal right? How many of his kids did he kill? All ten of them. How did he do it? With a tornado. Blew the house down. Physical. And then what did he do to the richest man in the world? Had all these donkeys and oxen and grains and servants. He killed every servant but one. He destroyed every crop. Fire from heaven, it says, came down. Lightning from the devil came down, burned up all of his crops. And he sent the Chaldeans and all kinds of other people in. And they killed all of his hired help and stole everything he had. And Job went from the richest man in the world with ten beautiful children to a man with nothing, nothing and no children, only a nagging wife. Yep, but that's what he had. Y'all know that. You've read the book of Job. You know, so you you got to think about that lady, woman, if you're a wife, and God puts your husband to the test like that, don't be like Job's wife. At least be a helper. You know, don't be against him. You know, stay in, I'm serious, you know. A lot of us, when we run into trials and tests in the day-to-day, why do you think there's so many divorces in the church? All of a sudden, a man comes under attack from the devil. And, of course, they maybe have had a blessed home and blessed children and everything else. And all of a sudden, this husband can't provide all the things that he did for before. Now, instead of being a team and work together, she says, I don't need you no more. If you can't take care of me and provide for the kids, I'm going to find me one that will. And I'm divorcing you, and I'm out of here. What a woman. Don't send me one like that. I don't want her. I want one that will fight the battle with me. you know. But there's too many of them kind of women in the world. If you're one of those kind of women, you need to straighten your act up and change your way. Because if your husband never been put to the test, he will be someday. I guarantee because you will be put to the test on this earth. Everybody's put to the test on this earth. Nobody gets by with it. Because God is building a kingdom of faith children. Now then, he set out salvation for everybody. Just think. He set out salvation for every human being. Who can be saved on this earth? Anybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of sins you've been involved in. I don't care if you've been the worst murder, rapist. I don't care if you were Hitler. If you could come to Jesus and say, I repent and I accept you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior, the blood of Jesus could have washed Hitler's sins away and made him clean. Now, we don't see it like that. But that's the way it is. That's the power of the blood. In other words, if, you, if you've if you been beat up on by the devil in your life, if you've been beat up on, lots, and lots of people have, I was beat up on, but not like some of you. But if you've been beat up on by the devil because of the sins of your fathers, and you're still living in that place, then all i got to say is shame on you. You have not spent enough time with God. I'm going to tell you, any human being on the face of this earth that comes to Jesus and humbles himself before Jesus and accepts Jesus as Lord and Savior, you may be standing there in a prison. And I mean, them bars may be so close together you can hardly see out of them. But the minute you humble yourself before God and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I realize you paid the price for me. I've been redeemed from sin. I've been redeemed from the curse and I've been redeemed from sickness and disease. Now then, Lord, I accept you and I want to be delivered and set free. Here's what he says in Joel 2.32. And it shall come to pass. If God said that, you think that's true? And it shall come to pass that whosoever, now are you a whosoever? He didn't put a name there, did he? Now if he'd only put John or Susie or Bob or Jack or whatever, then the rest of us have been in trouble. But he didn't say that. And he said, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. You have to humble yourself as a little child. And come in the presence of God. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord. Shall be delivered. You know how many times I've used that verse. Since I learned that and got revelation. That verse. I've had. In fact I remember a man. In fact I saw his wife in the uh, post office this week. Years ago. That man walked in my Sunday school class one morning. When he walked by me. I said Ed. You stink like a nicotine factory. I said, why don't you quit smoking? He said, Thurman, I have tried everything known to man to quit smoking, and I can't do it. I've tried everything they got, and I cannot overcome it. I said, you haven't done what God says. I said, you don't try God. You do what God says when you believe Him by faith. I guarantee I can take one verse in God's Word, and I get you delivered from that cigarette. He said, what verse is that? I said, Joel 232. I said, you turn to Joel 2.32. What did the Lord say? Maybe it'll come to pass. What did He say? It shall come to pass. Do we believe this? This book true or not? If Jesus it shall come to pass, you think He just talks or do you think He means what He says? He means what He says. So that's what you gotta do is believe. It shall come to pass that whosoever. Well, if you're a whosoever, then you fit the criteria. If you're a whosoever, he said, you shall call on the name of the Lord. You shall be delivered. You shall be delivered. That word also, the word that's used there in the Hebrew also means saved. You'll be saved or delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, As the Lord has said, just think. As the Lord has said there, there is deliverance. And anybody that comes to Jesus and calls on him and says, Lord, I want to be delivered from this nicotine. What did he say? If you come to him in faith, what did he say? It shall come to pass. Is that what he said? I told Ed, I said, if you will believe that, I guarantee you won't never smoke another cigarette. Now, how can you guarantee? After all, this is only the king of the universe that made this statement. This is not General Motors. I can buy a brand new Chevrolet, which we, Cheryl did before we got married, and she got a Chevrolet. We got a 100,000-mile warranty on that thing. Something goes wrong with that thing, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to be down to Chevrolet house. I ain't taking it somewhere else and say, hey, would you fix my car? No, I got a contract that's paid for for 100,000 miles on that car. Anything major goes wrong with it, they fix it. Now, I can guarantee they'll fix it because General Motors is pretty big. But I can guarantee God's Word a whole lot more than I can guarantee General Motors. You know, General Motors might go bankrupt. You know that? You know, God ain't going bankrupt. He's going to be there tomorrow. He's going to be there a thousand years from now. But, you know, everything on this earth is going to fail. But yet we put all this faith and trust in man on this earth, and we don't trust God at all. But I told him, I said, if you will call on the name of the Lord, I'll I'll quote that verse. And I said, I'm going to rebuke that. If you just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent, and I want to be delivered. He did. I said, now you devil of hell, you get out of him, and don't you add nicotine demon, you leave, and don't you ever come back in the name of Jesus. I said, Ed, I guarantee you won't never smoke another cigarette. He walked out of that Sunday school class after class over that morning. Habit. Walked right outside the church door, reached in his pocket, pulled out a cigarette and stuck it in his mouth and got his lighter and lit it. And when he did, he sucked the first draw (laughs) and it. What is, hold that thing. What is wrong with my cigarettes? What would God say he'd do? He'd deliver you from that nonsense. That's a demon of hell. And the Lord had delivered him and he, man, he couldn't even stand to smell them. He can't stand to be in a room with somebody. He throwed that package away. That's been at least 20 or 25 years ago. And he's never smoked another one. I, just got, I mean, I don't know how many times I've used that one verse to get somebody delivered. I've got people delivered of alcohol, of drugs, of cigarettes. I mean, of food. Everything, you name it, you can get them delivered. But you know the one thing they've got to be? They've got to be serious with God. You've got to want to humble yourself before God, to ask Him to do this. And then He said, it shall come to pass. Sharon, if He says He will do it, you got to where you believe Him, don't you, girl? Yeah, that girl over there, she just believes God. If God said it, that's all. I mean, she's been healed so many times, she's just like mine. I mean, last night I got tickled at Cheryl. Last night she had to help her daughter out at the restaurant. And she had to do everything. I thought she was going to be a hostess out there last night. I think she wound up doing everything from carrying food to washing dishes. And I don't know what all she done. Everything in the world. When she come in last night, she had stretched muscles she had forgot she had. So in the wee hours this morning, usually she's way sound asleep at 6 or 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. But this morning she turned over and she said, Honey, would you rub this muscle right on my back right here? This one right here. I said, Oh, (laughs) I'd touch it. Oh, she said, that hurts. I said, oh, boy, you've got muscles that are hollering in there that you didn't even know you had. But what happens What happens when you exercise things that you didn't know you had? They come back and they rebel, don't they? They love to be dormant and sit there, but you've got to keep them active. And that's the same way it is with the Word of God. You've got to believe the Word. When you get to where you believe God's Word, and then you can have that dominion. And so whenever a tumor, I mean, of course, you know, a little growth grows up on your face, you start cutting it with a razor, not too bad. But when you go to a doctor and say, what is it? Oh, it's nothing, just a tumor. (laughs) Just a tumor? (laughs) That's not what we want to hear, is it, Keith? Absolutely not. So it's time to exercise your dominion as the Son of God, making sure you're walking in obedience to the Word and taking God's promise and drive that thing away. And after a couple of weeks, it's gone. I'm telling you, I can pray the prayer of faith for you. I mean, this guy, he can pray the prayer of faith. But see, he believes this word. That's the whole difference. Just like when Sharon and I prayed over her teeth. We believe the word. And what did the king do? He fixed her teeth. Now, what is hard for God? Nothing. Nothing. Now then, with all these things here, with all these things here, when I've moved there a little bit, I want to come over here. And I want to talk about some things that I have learned about certain diseases. Now, I am learning through my studies and through my walk with God, all through the Scriptures, that if you have certain diseases, you have committed certain sins. Certain sins will bring certain kind of diseases upon your body. And I've just seen this all over. Now, that one of the things I want to start out with, which is, there's so many of them that was on top of my list, but I, I just thought, what am I going to put number one? <clears throat> I decided to put this one as number one. I just happened to pick this one. For you, it may not be number one, and it may not even be a problem with you, but it's a problem in the world. And it's alcoholism and drugs. Today, that is such a powerful demon. I mean, I've seen homes destroyed. I've seen men that had college educations, that had MDs, master's degrees, had PhDs, and they get on drugs or alcohol and it ruined their entire life and their kingdom that they had built on this earth. They let the devil take it away from them and they lost everything, including their wife and their children, and then even their own health and their life. Where all the time the power was available to set them free, but they didn't know How to get it done. Well, we've learned how to get it done. We now have the answers. We have the answers to nearly everything because we study God's Word and the answer to everything is in God's Word. He never missed any of them. He can get you healed of anything. Alcoholism, the root cause of alcoholism, it may vary, but these are some of the things we've noticed. Alcoholism is not a generally inherited disease. Now sometimes it is but not all the time. It runs in families because there's a curse in that family. It is a generational technically it's it's not inherited because of what some people say it's in your DNA. It's a generational curse that comes down. And of course that's just like Dave uh, Rosenfeld When I told Dave that in his past family, here Dave's got an incurable skin disease. He'd had it all of his life, born with it. Mother, a grandmother, whatever. Several people in Dave's family had had this problem. None of them had ever been healed of it. Well, after he got out of college and came here and became a computer engineer, he had a good job and making good money with a good benefit package. So he went to the finest doctors in the Metroplex. To see if he could get this disease healed. And no way. I mean, he went to the best. And there's no way you're not going to get healed. And then he met me. And I told him that this was not in his DNA. The doctors even told him, you cannot have a child. If you have a child, your child will be afflicted with the same disease because it's in your DNA. I told him that DNA is a demon. Demon. That's what it is. And I said, when we break this curse over you and drive out this demon of hell, I said, I'm going to guarantee you that Jesus will heal you. Now, he had a problem with that, you know, guaranteeing that Jesus would do something. But if Jesus said it in the Word, you don't have to worry about Dave no more. He can guarantee God's Word too. He now knows it because he's been there and experienced it. So, we begin to fight the battle. And he didn't know what sin was. You know, it's just like all Christians, you know, I mean, a little sin here, a little sin there. I mean, these little sins, you know, I'm a pretty upright man. I'm going to church. You know, these little tiny things I'm doing, they couldn't be cutting me off from God. But they was. And so, whenever he got rid of all those sins and repented of every sin, known and unknown, and then we started standing on God's Word, we broke this generational curse, we cast out this generational demon, and this sickness and disease he had had all of his life, Went away, took time. It didn't happen overnight. In fact, if you want to see it in detail, the DVD back there, Sickness is Satanic Oppression, has the first hour of his testimony on it, and it covers with pictures of how awful he looked in the next 18 months until he got totally healed. You'll see the battle he had to fight and how to fight that battle of faith and whenever you get worse, you've got to know that the promises are still, yes, and you cannot give up. When you give up, the devil beats you. But you don't go there. You stand in faith. And then, of course, after he stood in faith for that 18 months plus, all that demonic activity left his flesh. He was completely healed. And then they decided to have a baby. And, of course, that little thing back there that Yeshua's carrying around her arms right now, that little boy is a year old, and he has not a sign of the sickness and disease in his body. Now, praise God. Now, see, if the doctors told him one thing, but the Word of God told him something else. Now, he had to make an intelligent decision to believe God's Word over the medical world. Sometimes that's hard. That's hard. But fighting the fight of faith is the most difficult thing I've ever seen And the reason I can say that is because in the church, there's multitudes of millions of people in the church. And in all the people I knew all of my life, I had never met one single person that knew how to walk in faith. Not one. I had never met them. I didn't know what faith was. When I began to read this book and stepped into the world of faith, I knew this was a place that I'd stepped into that nearly nobody walks in. There's a few, but there are few and far between, let me tell you. The fight of faith requires diligence. It requires fighting. It requires studying. It requires turning off the television, unless it's Christian. It requires turning off your secular radio. It requires turning off the newspapers and the magazines. Everything. It requires, in fact, when we sang that song up here a while ago, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God. If you don't know what that means, You cannot dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. What you think is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God is coming to church every Sunday. You think, man, I'm at church every Sunday. And I'm at Bible study every Tuesday night. And I make that second Saturday healing school every month. So I never miss a service at Thurman's service. So I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. I'm telling you, that's not true. That ain't even the starting. That's barely the starting place. Somebody said, well, good grief, what's required? The same thing is required as if you're married. You come home to your mate every night, unless something happens, you have to be on an out-of-town trip. But if you're in town, you come home to the same house every night, you sit down with the same woman, you talk to her and love her, and you spend your life with her, and you don't take one day a year and go home with another one. Because if you take one day a year, the one you've been coming home 364 days, she ain't going to be happy. Is she? Somebody thought, well, good grief, surely she'd be that understanding. That would smile too. I don't think she'd be understanding either, would you? No. Because if my wife come home to somebody else one day a year, I wouldn't be happy either, would you? No. See, that's the way it is with God. We've got to put him first every day, 365 days a year. You've got to make him number one in your life. If you don't do that, I'm going to guarantee sickness and disease is going to come upon your body sooner or later. If you don't dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, if you don't put God first, sooner or later, some kind of sickness and disease will come to your body. Now, I don't want no sickness and disease. Do you? No. But this alcoholism, the root cause, it, this thing is absolutely a, a generational curse in that family that produces it. Now, here's something I thought that was unique. There's some medical stuff that uh, some of these words I may not be able to uh, explain. But in, in Scripture, in Luke 13, 11 and 12, it says, Jesus cast out the spirits of infirmity with his word. So, Jesus, he cast out the spirits of infirmity with his word. Now that he tells us we can do the same thing. Most of us don't believe that. But when you get to the point where you know the devil is defeated. You know who you are. You know the power you have over the devil. You have no problem driving out the devil. So just like the other day when Keith and Ty were up here and rebuking that thing, and Keith had already been doing it, but the Word of God says one of us can one can drive out a thousand demons, but two of us can drive out ten thousand so it pays good dividends to go get your brother strong in the Lord to fight the battle with you. Right, Keith? And when they did, the thing goes away. So we've got to realize that sickness and disease come from the devil. And God will allow that beast to put sickness and disease upon us once a while just to put us to the test. To find out, are you going to fight the fight of faith? Are you going to do something? And if you're a wimp, you won't. You'll just go to the doctor and maybe get sick and die. I mean, when I say wimps, you know, a wimp had rather sit and watch television. You know, like a guy went over to a guy's house one day, he said, I don't have time to read God's Word. I said, what do you mean? So I said, I'll come by this afternoon, and I'll sit down and talk with you. Sunday afternoon after church, I went over and sat down, and he had the Fort Worth paper and the Dallas paper sitting there scattered all over three, you know, chairs and everything, and he's got two televisions on watching two football games. I said, what do you mean you got time to watch God's word? you watch a football game there? I said, I bet you know who's who's doing what on that. Oh yeah, so and so doing this, and oh so and so doing this and I said, What's going on in the Dallas paper? Oh, well this and that and that. And he got papers everywhere. I said, Let me tell you, throw out all the newspapers, turn out all the television, throw them out. When you come home after church, sit down with God's word, you'll have time to read God's Word. Oh, I don't want to do that. He's a wimp. He's yielding to the flesh. He's not driven by the spirit. The Spirit will say, turn off that nasty television set. Get it out of my house. I don't even want it. If it's got all them old channels on it, it's got all that junk on it. I don't want it in my house. I'm not even going to let my wife and my kids watch some of them nasty movies. In fact, I just bought a satellite antenna the other day with them $199 ones, and I put it on our roof and hooked it up Friday, and it's got 18 Christian channels on it, and that's all that's on it. And it don't cost me a dime To watch it, I can watch as many times as I want, as long as I want to, and that original $199 is all I ever had to pay. I don't pay a monthly fee. And all that's on there is 18 Christian channels. I know. I just got it hooked up in a line. was it Friday night I did that? Yeah. Friday night when I got back. Friday yeah. Friday night, I got up on the roof, aligned the antenna, hooked it all up, keyed everything in, and number channel number one is Daystar, channel number two is TBN. And in the Word, and right on down the line, But there was 18 of them. You don't have to worry worried about what you're going to watch. You know, if you got turn it on, it's good. And it only costs you 200 bucks for the antenna. And of course, you have to have somebody to install it for you. It costs you another couple of hundred to do that. But after that, that's it. There's no cost. No monthly charge. But somebody said, well, gee, I might want to watch something such Christian once in a while. Shame on you. You ain't dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. You know, I mean, if you're hung up on watching all the different stuff and your soap operas and all that stuff, you ain't never going to walk in the secret place of the Most High God. And I'm going to guarantee you, sickness and disease is going to come up on your life. You have to humble yourself before God to do what He said if you want to walk in divine health. I'm telling you. I mean, it's wonderful to be able to walk in divine health. I love it. It pays great dividends. But listen to some of the things after Jesus cast out the Word. Medically... It said the extreme dependency on alcohol is marked by bad behavior. That's what the doctors will tell you. It's bad behavior. Now, there is a deficient chemical in the basal nerve. Now, I got all this stuff out of medical books. I don't understand this stuff. But it said <clears throat> the, the nerve ganglion or whatever this is, I'm sure I'll say this right. At the top part of the spinal cord where the brain sits. You know there is that, and it says when this addictive, this defective chemical comes in connect contact with alcohol. In other words, if you don't ever drink it, you're okay. But whenever you drink it, there is a chemical reaction, and a brand new chemical, which is THIQ or whatever it says there, is formed. You've got a brand new chemical, which stays permanently in. That basil, whatever that is. Now then, this new whatever this is produces a permanent craving for alcohol. I used to wonder. I took a sip of beer one time. I was out with a bunch of guys. They went out to a party one night. They wanted me to go with them. And they said, Thurman, try this. This stuff's wonderful. I said, Beer? I said, I don't think so. I said, wow, smells awful. Now, you all got to remember that I was raised up on a farm. And when I was a little guy, about this tall, you know, I used to plow behind a horse out in the field. I mean, y'all come a long way since I didn't have no tractor. So we had one or two horses. Usually I just plowed with one, just a one little one-row deal. And I have been out there before plowing when the horse does something that I wouldn't say, but the liquid that comes out of the horse, so when she splatters it with her tail, it comes back on you and you get it in your mouth and everywhere else, you know. And it don't taste good. It don't ta- Some of y'all never lived there, but thank God. But I'm trying to explain this to you as simple as I can without using foul words. But I've been there and done that, see. So... It's not a big deal. But when they give me that alcohol and I said, take a drink, I took one drink of that beer and I spit that stuff out and I said, good grief, I'd rather be falling along behind that mare, you know, (laughs) than to drink that stuff. I throwed it away. I I would not drink it at all. But everybody is not that fortunate. Some people drink it to be one of the guys. When you drink it, this new chemical reaction takes place and now you've got what it is is a demon. They're calling it a chemical reaction, but what it is really is a demon. That when you drink this alcohol, you got this new deal that goes in you, and they call it this chemical, but it's a demon that's craving for alcohol. Now then, he's causing you to crave for alcohol. Everywhere you go, somebody sets a beer down front. You got to have one. No, can't just stop at one. Got to have two, three, four, five, six, and every time you do, you're spending buck two, three, four, five bucks, depending on where you are, and your money's going out the window and you're getting drunk, and then you go out and you, you have a wreck, or you kill somebody, or who knows, or you cost yourself your own life, and the demon beats you. Now, you don't have to live there. Did Jesus say there was deliverance in Zion? Who did He say could come to Him and ask for deliverance? Do you have to live there? No, only if you want to stay there. But you have to humble yourself before God and come and say, Lord, I want to be free from this addiction. I don't want to live here, Lord. The minute you and me humble ourselves before God and come to Him and say, Lord, I don't want this. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of living over here in this world. I'm being beat up on by the devil and I want to be delivered. Did He say He would deliver you? He promised He would deliver you. he give you a guarantee if you'll humble yourself before Him and come to Him for deliverance, He will in no wise turn you away. But you know, the secret to keep from getting there is to be raised up in a family that has no sin in their life. Now, where are we going to find one of those? I had never found one, have you? But see, the closer to purity that the family lives in, the less problems your children are going to have. Isn't that awesome? You know, when, when I learned that. And I'm grateful that God that the first thing God spoke ever spoke to me audibly in my life when my children was two and my daughter was just a month old, the first time I ever heard God's audible voice, he give me a scripture in Deuteronomy six four, and he said, In the next few verses I have a message for you, and if you'll do what I tell you there, you'll raise godly children. Of course those those messages right there in Deuteronomy chapter six is still good for everybody. In other words, what he's trying to say right there, if you will walk in my presence, you'll walk holy before me, you'll be the spiritual leader of your home, you'll love your wife, you'll love your children, you'll watch every word that comes out of your mouth, you'll read my word to your children, you'll be an example of me. You know how hard that is to be an example of Jesus? you be an example of me to your children. you be like me. There was you write on the back of your hand every time you look at it, a note that says, teach your children today about God. Walk up to your doorpost, and then when you walk up, there's a sign on your door. You start to go and say, remember, Thurman, teach your children about God today. As if you could have missed that, because he says, also hang one off of your head. A little sign out here, everywhere you turn, you see this thing. Remember, teach your children about God today. Be an example of me to your children. Now, if we as men would do that, and we'd walk in a God kind of love, and teach our children like that, what could we get from God when we ask Him? You're absolutely right. Anything we ask Him for. But if you don't do that, He's not going to do that for you. He has a set of requirements that He expects you and me to walk in, and if we will do it, then He'll do exactly what He said. Now then, This new whatever this is that's produced in your brain, it produces a permanent craving for alcohol. And like I say, that's a demon. And until you come to God and ask Him to deliver you, He'll set you free. I have seen people that I couldn't even tell you. The most powerful deliverance I ever saw, of course I didn't see it personally, I saw his DVD testimony, was uh, that gentleman Reed. Isaiah read, when I saw him, and he'd been on drugs, alcohol, everything for years and years and years, and when he was serious with God, and he came to God, and God delivered him just like that. I mean, saved it today. That guy's an evangelist. I mean, out there, oh, well, what can God do? He can do exactly what he says he'll do in his word. But you've got to want to get free. Now then, here's what the ministry has to do with one of these demons of alcohol. Or, or drugs or whatever. First of all, you must bind and cast out these deaf and dumb spirits. These are spirits that are in even, they're demons. I'll have to say, whenever Dave and I first talked about this, that I told him this was not a problem in his DNA, but it was a demon living inside his flesh. Now, you know, as a normal Christian, we have a problem when it's just a, somebody walks up and says, You got a demon. You got a demon. But let me tell you, let me just bust your bubble. I have never met a human being in my life that didn't have several demons. So, you know, that's just like whenever the carpet cleaner met James Robertson. He was one of the most powerful Baptist preachers on the market. I mean, he was preaching to five in 10,000 people every night, James Robertson, when he was a young man. I mean, he was on fire. And he went off down to East Texas somewhere. Milton Green was down there, a carpet cleaner. And as he was down there as a carpet cleaner, he made a statement. He took him back in a room and he said, Milton, do you think I got demons? Milton looked at him and he said, James, I've cast demons out of murderers, rapists, the worst criminals you've ever seen. But I ain't never seen a man with as many demons as you got. That wasn't exactly what James Robertson wanted to hear. Would that be what you want to hear? Here you are, a Baptist preacher. But James said, I can look out in the audience. Here he's married to a beautiful woman, Betty. That was her, that's her name. They're still married today. He said, I'm married to a beautiful woman. I could look out across the and I'd see a woman out there and said, I would just lust for that woman right there. I couldn't control it. He said, I never went there. But I said, I couldn't control that lust I look at a woman, I want to go to bed with her. He said, I never sinned to do it. But if you lust for them, you're sinning. Yeah. He couldn't understand why he couldn't control it. And he had lots of bad thoughts about bottom of people. Now, of course, I've heard him tell this testimony on televisions. That's why I can say it over the air like this myself, because he told it himself. But when he got set free, he said, I had Milton, I said, you cast these demons of hell out of me. I want to be free. And he said, Milton Green cast demons out of me for a long time. And he said, when I walked out of that room, he said, I knew I was a different human being. He said, I was free for the first time in my life. Here I am, a Baptist preacher, don't even believe in demons. And this little carpet cleaner's in there casting these demons out of me. But James got saved. I mean, really got delivered. He was already saved, of course. He went and called all the preachers in this whole area and had them come together. And one of those guys I know was, a, was the best preacher of a Pentecostal church over in the Fort Worth, the biggest one. And he went to the meeting because James would talk about you on the air, you know. I mean, he had demons. He had really had demons. Too many preachers talk about other preachers derogatorily. You know, we need to stop that. But anyway... He said, I went, he talked about me, so he said, I went that day and said, I'm sitting there and James is apologizing to all of us over dinner, had a big bunch of preachers and he said, I'm standing up behind a chair and and he said, you know, I found out folks that the problem in our churches are demons. And he said, I sat back there and looked at James and I thought, hmm, you know, that's probably the problem in my Pentecostal church. There's probably a few people in my church got demons too. That's probably what's wrong with my church. And he said, the Lord spoke to me. This guy's. I know him. He's been on our television program. I've known him. I've talked with him. I know him personally. And he said, the Lord spoke to me. Is it clear. And he said, Jerry, the problem in your church is you. I was like for God to tell you, you're the problem in your church. You're the pastor. He said, I fell over the back of that chair and said, God, I repent. I repent. I repent. And he said, the Lord delivered me from all those demons that day and set me free. And today that man is a totally different preacher. Totally. Great man of God. But if you'd have told him as the best Pentecostal preacher in Fort Worth that he had demons in him, he'd just like James Robertson. I can't have a demon. Well, let me tell you, every time we sin, we get a demon. I mean, I hate to say that, but that's what was wrong with Keith's faith the other day. That was a demon, Keith. You know, he'd come up there to mess with you. And you and Ty kicked him out. When he left, he took the tumor with him. That's what they do to us. They bind us up. We go through the scriptures and we read this. Now then, we must bind and cast out these demons. We must release the resurrection life and the gifts of healing into these people. We must bind and cast out the spirits of infirmity and release the spirit of life and the gifts of healing. See, these are all things that God told us. These are the different things we do in the ministry. Now, Ty and I have learned this a long time ago, but some of you don't know this. Then it says, bind and cast out the lying spirits and release the spirit of truth. See, these lying spirits come into you and they're there when you're hooked on alcohol. I mean they'll lie to you. It's okay, go ahead. Just one just one more beer or one more drink. It ain't gonna hurt you. But that's a lying spirit. These things will kill you. Then you must bind and cast out the generational curse. These generational curses, but you can be released from any curse. I mean I've had people say, you know, I've been through every kind of deliverance in the world and I just don't feel like I'm delivered. I say, you know, you either didn't know Joel 2.32 in the Old Testament, or you didn't know Galatians 3.13 and 14 in the New Testament. Now, Galatians 3 in the New Testament, of course, a while ago we read that you could be delivered under the law, right? That's under the law. Well, we come under the New Testament. We're not under the law over here when we walk in love. Over here in the New Testament, Galatians 3.13 and 14 says, Christ has already redeemed you from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for you. For it is written. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So that you and I can receive the blessings of Abraham. That we can receive these promises. That was promised to Abraham. By the Spirit. Through faith. How do you receive everything in the new kingdom? By faith. You believe. You receive it by faith. In other words. If you were sick when you got saved. If you were sick, you were in sin. When you got saved, how many of your sins did Jesus pay for? All of them. All of them. He washed them all away. So you, right there, you have no more sin. Right there, you're clean. But if you knew at the same time you were healed, then if you were sick at that point, you know that it's, you were healed. So now then, I have I virtually never have had to have any pride. to pray for me for healing. I know when I did have the attack on, the leg, on my leg, Ty and Eldon did come out, and they did pray with me over my leg, but I, I technically, I, I told them, y'all don't come, just want me to pray with me, but of course, they wouldn't hear to that. They came out, laid hands on me, anointed with oil, prayed over me, cast demons out of me, done everything, because they love me, and I'm grateful for these men that come help me, but technically speaking, while I was laying there on the bed, because my doctor, Ty, Tells me, you've got to get off that leg. I'm working. He said, Thurman, go home and lay down. See, that's a doctor in him. See, I mean, he knows the physical body, he knows how to walk in faith, but he's got a little bit too much of that doctor in him, and he's going to tell you what you've got to do. So he said, get off that leg, get on the bed, elevate it, and lay there for a couple of days while that blood circulates. Okay, I don't want to do this, but I will. So he said, If you want a man of faith, I'd take you to the hospital. And we'd do surgery on you. He said, I know you ain't going there. I said, Absolutely not. I'm not going there. But I did go home and lay down on that bed. And I'm laying there in there just by myself, me and God. And ain't nobody in the house, just me. And everybody else is working. And I said, Lord, I sure do need a word from you right now. Because when I looked at my leg, it looked awful, didn't it, Ty? It did. It looked awful. In other words, when you pull your boot up, you go home from church on Sunday night and all of a sudden your legs start burning like fire and you pull your britches up and take your boot off, take your sock off and from right about here, plumb down to your ankle, it is solid blood red with big blood red blood blisters all over it looking like you could touch one and your leg would start bleeding. That's not exactly what you want to see in your body. But the night it happened to me, I just rebuked the devil. said, devil, you have no legal claim to me. I rebuke it, I went back to work. And I worked till 1.30 or 2 o'clock, and next morning, whenever Cheryl got up, about 7 or 8 or whatever, she was going to go to the bathroom. She said, "Uh, how's your leg? I said, well, look at it and see. And uh, first she said something, and I said, well, yeah, I had a little problem with my leg last night. She said, what? I said, look at it and see what it is. Man, when she looked at my leg, she grabbed my leg and started casting out demons, Keith. (laughs) She knew what was wrong. I mean, that's a good woman. She's kicking out them devils. So anyway, she's kicking out them devils. She was getting this done, but uh, it wasn't getting any better. So that's when I called Ty and him and Eldon both come out and prayed over me and anointed me with oil and everything. And I was going to keep working. Ty said, no, you're not. you got to get up there and get that leg up. you got to have the blood circulate through there. I said, okay, I'll do it. So I get up there and I'm laying there and I said, Lord, i got to have a word from you. Now let me show you. I want to show you. I took this Bible. It's laying on my chest. I said, i got to have a word from you, Lord, and I threw this over to my side. Now, what do you think would be the chances to throwing it to your side and it opened to this scripture, Matthew 8? My Bible fell right open to this scripture on this page right there wide open, and my eyes, I looked over, and my eyes fell right on that verse 17. Isn't it amazing how God can direct everything? I said, Lord, I need a word from you. And I threw the Bible off to the side, laid on the bed, it flopped open to Matthew eight, and my eyes fell right there that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, say, Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So if Himself, if he took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses, is, is there any reason for me to be concerned about what the devil's doing to my leg? No. As long as I walk in faith, what has to happen to my leg? It has to get well. And did it? Yes, it did. I mean, in a couple of days, I come back to church the next Sunday... And Ty, first thing he said when I walked, he said, pull your bitch's leg up, take your boot off, take your sock off. I want to see that leg. I said, Ty, it's fine. He said, nope, I got to see it. Doesn't it sound just like a doctor? Got to see it. So we go back here in the room. I pull it down, look at it, and he said, wow, that's God. I said, it looks good. He said, it looks awesome good. <laughs> he said, ain't nobody but God could have done that in a couple of days. Yeah, but see, that's the thing about being a doctor. See, he's seen all this kind of stuff. I don't know the difference. See, I just, I just have to trust God. He knows what goes on in the physical body. And I, all I can say is, thank God I don't know what goes on in there. That makes it so much easier for me to walk by faith. Now, he knows. All, I mean, he sat there and explained to me all the little things that's happening, the way cells are blocked up and, and how I could lose my leg and all this stuff. And I don't know none of that, so since I don't know none of that, I don't even have to be concerned about that. See? <laughs> I just say, thank you, Jesus. I know that with you nothing's impossible, and I know you're fixing my life. Because I just told you I need a word from you. And I opened my Bible and folded it out, and it fell right over to Matthew 8:17. And And everywhere on that two pages, my eyes could have failed. I went on that one verse. And I read that one verse, and I just said, thank you, Lord. I'm sorry I doubted you. I repented. And these are the things we have to do. We have to bind and cast out the generational curse. Bind and cast out the spirits of alcoholism. Bind and cast out the power of alcoholism. Command all chemical. I, I don't understand all these words that I read about in, in this part of your uh, neck or your brain or whatever it is. That they would come under control of the Lord Jesus Christ and they would function normally. You know, so these things are being bound by the devil. So you've got to speak to it in faith. And that's something that people have such a hard time believing that when you speak to your body, your body has to do what you say. But you know, Keith's testimony, of course, Ty's testimony about the tumor on his leg. He had the tumor on his leg, too. But Keith had one on his face. But how many times have I taken a tumor, especially breast tumors in ladies, and command, they'll tell me, I've got a big knot in my breast. And the first thing I do is find out what their sin is. We know they have a sin. We get rid of the sin. Once we get rid of the sin, then we the person says, Lord, I want to be healed. I'm sorry I sinned. I want to be free. And when they, those women, come to the Lord in faith after they humbled themselves before God, yes, who knows what kind of sin they may have been involved in. Who knows what kind of sin. But they've been involved in some kind of sin. And you know the number one killer in the church. I'm telling you the number one killer in the church is the breaking of the number one commandment. If you're a born again Christian. Who knows what the number one commandment is. Some people don't even know what it is. It is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength. And put no other gods before him. He is to be number one. And, you know, if you look at us today in the church, many of us put all kinds of stuff before us. We put our businesses in front of God. I mean, we put our children in front of God. I mean, we may go to a basketball event on Sunday because our children are involved in it, and we won't even talk about God. We don't go to church, but God understands we're going with our children. No, He don't understand. I don't believe we should have those events on Sunday. I think Sunday should be a day you serve God. You ought to be in his house. You ought to be serving him. You ought to be in the king's house talking to him. You don't need to be. In fact, today, I wouldn't think about where I am now in the last 20 or 30 years of my life. I wouldn't think about going home this afternoon and, or tonight and turning on some show on television and watching. They ain't know it. Not even the news. I ain't going to turn it on. Today is God's day and I am not going to watch no news. I don't do nothing like that. I don't. I would not pick up a newspaper. I would not. Not a magazine. Forget that stuff. I'm throwing that junk out the window. But guess what? I want to walk in God's anointing power. When I pray, I want Him to hear my prayer. When Keith come up here and had Ty pray for him, he wanted God to hear that prayer, didn't you, Keith? Sure you did. It might not have been very bad yet, but you didn't want that sucker to be this big, did you? No. And they keep getting bigger. Just like the one on Ty's leg got pretty big for. Him. He finally got mad at that devil and kicked him out. But I've seen huge tumors on people. But you've got to get rough with that devil. You've got to get in the Word. And Dave back there has now, he has learned that any time somebody's sick or afflicted or having a problem, you know what his first statement is? What is your quiet time like with God? How much time are you spending with a king every day? Are you snuggled up with him every morning when you wake up? Do you take a walk and read His Word and worship and praise Him for an hour or two? Like Phil was saying the other day, I now realize, Thurman, God wants not only 10% of my money, but He wants 10% minimum of my time. He said that's 2.4 hours a day I need to give God directly, just me and Him, at least 2.4 hours every day I need to give that to God. Hey, for a young man, that's not bad. He's getting there. He's getting there. But we have to do all these things, and after we've done this, we have to command healing and cleansing to all organs and issues, uh, of issue of, and all the tissue that's affected by this alcoholism. You have power over that. Did Jesus tell us these signs shall follow those that believe in my name? You shall raise the dead. You know, I think we we look at that like, well, the only thing we can do is raise a person from the dead. No. I got revelation years ago. You can speak to dead tissue in the brain, dead tissue in an arm. You can command that tissue to come back to life, and it will come back to life in the name of Jesus. You can even command a tooth. Right, Sharon? We pray and command a tooth to be normal. And no cavities. No, I mean, if we can do it in faith, you can see all kinds of wonderful things. But after all, the king said, if you can believe me, Nothing shall be impossible with you. Now then, we've got to get over the trying stage. We've got to get over not believing that God loves us because, yes, there's a devil out there. And if your daddy or your mother were abusive parents that who knows what they might have done, who knows what kind of curse you might have been raised up under, and you might have thought, I have no chance, but you have the same chance as everybody else. When you learn, just like Sharon, she's a perfect example. I mean, who knows what kind of curses had followed her, although she's raised up in a fairly decent family, but still, there was sin in their lives. And who knows what kind of curse she was under. And here she is when she was just a few years ago as a young woman, still a young woman, but here she is with brain tumors, arm problems, leg problems, I mean, back problems. I mean, she's got problems. And been prayed for a hundred times in a church and nothing ever happened nothing something wrong with this picture in there now she knows all the answers but three years ago she didn't know them answers but she does now you know in fact after sharon got healed and and delivered and everything else i just like i've done a lot of y'all when you come back in the next week or next month or six months later i'll ask you a question have you fell back into sin and you know what most of you tell me Absolutely not. Now, that would be the height of stupidity to learn that sin brings sickness and disease into your body and then get healed and then go back into the same kind of sin. That would be the height of stupidity. But now the devil can do it to you. He can suck you right back into that. You've got to be on your toes. You've got to learn who you are. And all these demons have to be cast out. Now then, there is so many of these diseases that I wanted to talk about. But one of them, I'm going to, since I, it's, wow, since it's already 10 after 4, I'm just going to talk about one more today. And this is so powerful out there today. And so many people contact this, and most of them don't ever get healed. And that's cancer. There is many, many kinds of cancer. I have seen cancer healed in many, many people in my life. Many. Some of them have been within a few hours. Some of them have been instantaneously. I mean, the most powerful healing I ever saw was in 1999 with a Baptist woman and her husband. And she'd had breast cancer for two years. And the doctor told her, said, if I remove your breast, you might be able to live six more months. She said, forget it. If that's the case, then I'm just going to die. She said, I'm not going to go through all that pain and suffering and have my breast removed and then die in six months anyway. So she's just forget it. Well, when I met her, she was within the last week of her life. Her doctor had told her on Thursday that she had maybe another week to live. A friend of hers that she had called told her she was going to die that week, she called and said goodbye. She ain't got no faith, does she? Now. I have no faith at all. Here she is, a Baptist woman, 53 years old, on her deathbed. And a doctor said, you're, you're this week, the last week. Uh, you know, you'll probably die this week. Well, she's had it for two years. She got worse and worse. She hadn't been able to eat a bite of food for three weeks. She's got colon, tumors in her colon. They're all blocked, intestines blocked, can't eat, can't do nothing. She's dying. And called a friend here in this area and said, I want to tell you goodbye. The friend called me and said, mean, if I buy you an airplane ticket down there, will you go see her Saturday morning? I said, I will. So Saturday morning. That was Thursday night. Saturday morning, I flew down there. I got down there and I went into that apartment where that man and woman was. And five hours later, I taught, as I'm teaching these people the word of God, you know what? All, what amazes me? I hear this all the time. That man fell on his knees after about two hours, fell out of his chair on the knees on the floor, And said, Thurman, I can't believe I'm 55 years old. I've been in church all of my life. And I've read this book. But he said, I don't have none of the revelation you have about healing. He said, I can't believe this is in here. But he said, it's here. I said, sure it is. And so anyway, after they finally, five hours of intensive teaching from God's word. I explained to her that she said, I'm trusting Jesus to heal me. I said, man, if you're trusting Jesus to heal me, you ain't never going to get healed. I said, I'm going to prove to you today it's already been done. He done it 2,000 years ago on the cross. It's, healing is yours, guaranteed. The devil's been defeated. He's the one that's killing you, and we've got power over him. All you got to do is get rid of your sins and sins of unbelief. We cast that devil out, and God will heal you. Five hours later, I looked over to that little 53-year-old Baptist woman, which was on her deathbed. I said, have you heard enough of God's Word to be healed? That little Baptist woman looked over at me with fire in her eyes. She said, you come over here and cast this demon of hell out of me, and I'm going to get up off this bed right now in the name of Jesus. I did, she did, and the woman was completely healed. And within a matter of, I mean, she went to the airport with me and her husband, walked all the way to the end of the terminal, and went home on the way home that night and stopped and had a fried shrimp dinner. Is that faith. That's faith. But that she believed the word of God. She said, if Jesus has already done it for me. I've repented of my sins. Praise God, I'm healed. And she got healed. And that woman was healed. And just, I mean, her testimony, it blew people's minds. You know, it's the word of God. In fact, I remember one of her friends called her about six months. He said, Judy. And she answered the phone and said, this Judy? He said, yeah. He said, Judy, you sound good. She said, praise God, I'm perfect. He said, I thought she was going to die. Oh, she said, but this Baptist deacon from Justin came down here, kicked this devil out of me, and I got healed. And he was a Catholic priest. And he said, you what? And said, yeah, this Baptist deacon from Justin, Texas, came down here on a Saturday morning, taught me the Word of God, cast this demon of hell out of me, and prayed for me, and Jesus healed me. He said, what is that guy's name? And that guy called me, and he was in Bryan College Station. He called me and wanted to know if I'd go to come down there and teach him and his staff at a great big Catholic church, the Word of God. So I said, sure. So I drove down there. I got up real early one Saturday morning, drove down there, spent all day teaching him and his staff the Word of God in a Catholic church. Just the staff, about 10 or 12 of them. At the end of it, he said, you know, we pray for the sick in this church. We have used James 5:14, 15, and 16 10 or 15 times. He said, we have never seen a healing in this church. But today, I know why. He said, because of our sin of unbelief, because every time I pray and use James 5.14, the prayer of faith, I said, now, God, if it be your will, will you please heal this man this woman? He said, we never see God do nothing. He said, I know it's my sins of unbelief when I get rid of that. In fact, it wasn't too long after that he started calling me. He said, we prayed the prayer of faith for so-and-so, and they got healed. He said, but we did it God's way instead of mine. Isn't that amazing? When you do it God's way, he shows up. When you do it your way, it don't never work. God says, "Let every man be a liar, and only God's word be true." Now, cancer, cancer is ta- the root cause of cancer. Is taking the curse back upon ourselves for not properly discerning the broken body of Christ in communion. Now, see, when we take communion, the body of Christ has paid for your sickness and disease. You'll hear people say, there's not so, no such thing as healing in communion. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. The body of Christ, whenever he died on that cross, with those stripes, before he went to the cross, he healed your flesh by his stripes. With my stripes you were healed. And he told you that in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5? He had confirmed it again in Matthew eight sixteen and 17. And told you again in 1 Peter 2, 21 through 24. All those places confirm what I just said. And when that becomes a revelation to you, you will technically never have to have nobody pray for you for healing again. You will know. It's done. You don't need to be healed. You just make sure you got every sin repented of. You rebuke that devil of hell, command him to leave. Now, Keith was working on that himself. You heard him say it. He made sure every sin was repented. He knows that. Don't you keep? I mean, you're walking in love. You've got to. And, and, and Shelly is wife. She knows she's got to walk in love. The two of them have to walk in love because the two of them now are one. And anything either one of them done can open, can, either one of them do can open the door to the devil to the other one. So you have to be very careful with your mate. Make sure you walk in love with your mate. If you're not married, and you're looking for a mate, and you don't think you can find one that's godly, don't get married. Stay single. So you're going to open that door to the devil, to you quickly. I mean, that, the secret is asking God to bring you a mate, and then wait on him. Don't go out looking for your own. Because if you do, more like it, you're going to mess up. You're going to go by what you see. You know. Or like the woman that says, well, I married this guy because he was rich. I thought he'd take care of me. And then I married him and found out he was a devil. Well, God told you not to be unequally yoked. Did you ask him if he was born again? No, he was just a nice looking guy and he had a nice car and a nice house and money. So I thought surely he'd take care of me and love me. No, 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 no. That's not the prerequisites. You're not to ever be unequally yoked as a Christian. But when cancer comes upon us, we do not discern the body of Christ properly. Now then, this cancer, the root cause, can also be deeply rooted into bitterness, anger, guilt, and self-hatred, and unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. I don't think since Cheryl and I have been married, we've run into a single person that had cancer that we couldn't pin it down to unforgiveness. Almost every person that we dealt with had cancer in their body. Any kind of cancer, not only could you taper it down to hatred and anger and self-hatred, but there's unforgiveness in there. And did you know that if you die on this earth, I don't care who you are, right, Christian or whoever, if you die with unforgiveness in your heart, God says in his word, if you don't forgive from your heart, neither will I forgive you. And let me tell you, if you don't forgive from your heart and God don't forgive you, I don't believe you will be in heaven. So if you die with an unforgiveness in your heart, you're in big trouble. Is it worth it? I don't think so. Anything anybody do to you worth going to hell for? No. I mean, if I had to hold my finger in the fire for a second to to get them off my back, I mean, it ain't even worth that, is it? Much less dying and going to hell and burning in the flames of fire forever. I'd hold her and walk up and tell her, I love you. They said, well, I hate your guts. I said, that's good. Let me hug you because I love you. Because I ain't going to hell for you. You right. Ain't nobody worth that. And if you stop and think about that, you won't want to go there either. Now, it, and cancer can be generational. There's no two ways about it. You can have generational curses come upon you from your parents or your grandparents that can bring cancer upon you. Now, Scripture... Uh, Deuteronomy uh, 28-27 says, The Lord will smite you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors. That's one of those curses that if you sin, who's going to do that? The Lord will smite you with boils of Egypt and with tumors. Who spoke that to come into your body? God did. When he speaks, the devil comes and puts it on you. Do you think God knows what you do every day? Sure, He does. If you want to walk in divine health, it's just like that song we sang up there a while ago. That's come from Psalms ninety-one. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I want you to I want you to think about that. What is available if you'll walk in that place? Now, under before we go there, though, I've got to get this other scripture, Galatians three thirteen. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. Galatians 3, 13, 14, 15. If he's already done it, you have to receive that by faith after you repent of your sin. Now, if you've got an unforgiveness towards someone, or you've got self-hatred toward yourself, and you can't stand yourself or can't stand your parents or your children or whatever, you've got this self-hatred or hatred for other people, it's unforgiveness, you've got to get rid of those sins first. You've got to become a Christian first, and then you. if you're already a Christian and you're still living in this, you don't know who you are. You have no idea what God has provided for you. But I lived there a lot of years of my life. I didn't know it either. But when I finally got a hold of what was available to me, I mean, I can remember over 20 years ago the night when I received Jesus Christ as my healer, when I got revelation on that, and I'm going to tell you from that day to this, I have never had a sick day. I can go do everything I want to do every day of my life without one single day of sickness. And man, let me tell you, that's a wonderful place to walk. You don't even sweat getting up and being sick tomorrow. You know you're not going to be sick. If you get up in the morning, the devil's at your house. What do you tell him to do? You tell him to take a hike. You make sure you have no sin in your life and say, Devil, I have power over you. Get out in the name of Jesus. And he goes away. Now then... All the different things. Of course, the doctors will tell you, most of them, you've got to have chemo, radiation, and all this kind of stuff. You know, that's, what, that's a normal thing for doctors. But if there's anything I would never allow in this body, and that's chemo or radiation, I don't care what happens. I heard a fantastic doctor, Dr. Day. She's a woman. She comes down with cancer, and she taught in some of the big uh, colleges and schools. Some of you may have heard of Dr. Day. When she come down with her cancer... They wanted to give her chemo radiation. She said, absolutely not. I see what that stuff does, and you ain't never putting that on my body. Now, if a doctor will tell you that, you ain't never putting it on mine either. You know, I ain't going there. So the thing to do is get the sin repented of, and then kick out these devils of hell and get healed. Now, you have to lead people in a prayer of forgiveness and repentance to the Father for wrongly discerning the body of Christ, taking the bread in doubt and unbelief, because that's what we do. Take communion with us, in other words, I've told many people as we talk about communion, since there is healing in that, if you're sick and afflicted and you're getting rid of especially if you've got cancer and if you or whatever you got, anything, and you're repenting of your sins and you're getting there to walk with God, walk in obedience to his word, take communion if you want to, take it five or six times a day. you know in the morning when you wake up, first thing, go in there and take communion, praise God for the communion. I mean, rebuke your, i mean, rebuke the devils, repent of your sins, and then take communion. Do the same thing five or six times a day. Every time you do that, you're taking God's medicine. It will deliver you. It'll set you free. Now I'm going to show you one last thing here, and then we're going to have to quit. Time goes by so fast. I just can't—I just—I don't know how in the world. I don't know how any preacher preaches 15 minutes. I don't know how that happens. But anyway, some of you may say, well, I wish you prayed 15 minutes. Well, I can't go there. So if you come, expect, well, James is going to sing a couple of songs too, James. I hadn't forgot this, but this Psalms 91, they're going to sing a couple of my favorite songs, they say. So we're going to see. We're going to do it just as soon as I finish this Psalm. For that Psalm we sing a while go Psalm 91, I want you to look what he said. If you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty dwell with God. I mean, you've got to get in the Word, spend time with God, read it, hide it in your heart, know it, be able to quote it, spend time with the King. And you will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, He's my God, and Him will I trust. Well, that's all that was in the song. But I want you to look at the promise that goes with doing that. After you do verse 1 and 2, look what He says He will do in 3 and 4. Surely, God will deliver you from the snare of the devil. Do you like that? Yes. I love that. He's going to deliver me. And from the raging epidemic. What is that? Who's going to deliver you from the raging epidemic? The sickness, the noisal and pestilence? God is. Just think. As you read down through that psalm, He goes on down to tell you That all kinds of things will happen, but nothing will happen to you. Because you have made Him the Most High God, your dwelling place. No sickness and no disease will come upon your flesh. Now, do you believe God's Word? I do. And when I received Him as my healer by faith over 20 years ago, I realized that when I humbled myself as a little child and come into the presence of the King, And say, Lord, you did this for me. I come as a baby child, receiving you as my healer. And from this day forth, I will go forth and tell everybody that I'm never going to be sick again. But I'm also going to go out there and I'm going to do the best I can to never sin again either. That's a hard one, you know it? But when you do mess up, what can you do? Repent. And walk holy before God. And he said, if you will do that, I will heal your body, I will deliver you, and I will set you free, and then I will give you life and give it to you abundantly. And we learn how to work there, aren't we, Sharon? This girl's got it. My lovely bride and I, we're getting it too, aren't we, honey? We're walking there. And when we walk in abundant life, I'm telling you, it's fun. Oh yeah, you may have to rub your wife's back at night whenever she works too hard one day, but that's just physical things, you know. That's okay. I didn't mind that when she woke up this morning with those muscles tight. Honey, you gotta rub my back. Oh, that's what you gotta made for, right? To rub your back when it's sore. Praise the Lord. Went to bed last night, and the last two nights, she done something to me. I don't know, about, some of you guys may know, I mean, I don't take real good care of my feet. And, you know, I work hard and I'm out and they get hard, you know, and everything. Well, A couple of nights ago, she said my feet scratched her. So she got some kind of a wire brush looking thing <laughs> with a stone on it. And she rubbed and took all that skin off my feet. And then she comes in there and she caresses them and puts all this uh, lotion and everything. And then last night she come in there and I said, you know, this is really love. This is really love when your bride can sit on the the bed, take your old foot, and rub all. I said, that's really love. But see, that's the, way we, that's the way love is, right? That's what love really is, is when we will help each other and do things to help the other. And when we've got the God kind of love in us, when we walk in the God kind of love, you can walk in divine health. You can walk without sickness and disease. And if you're sick and afflicted and you've got a problem, Jesus come in and He said, Psalm 103. I am the God that forgives all of your sins, and I am the God that heals all of your diseases. You think He means that? Yes, He does. All you've got to do is repent of your sin, come in faith, and He will heal you. He's a wonderful God. Isn't he James? We've experienced it many times in your family too. Amen, just like mine. and so we are everybody here in this ministry, I guess every one of us has received some kind of an awesome miracle from God. And we're so grateful he is a healer, deliverer, and provider. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to bless everyone here today. We ask you to, as they go from here, bless them and have every one of their needs met. And then, Lord, as they go, reveal to them the truth that they need to walk wholly in obedience to your word so they can walk in divine health. Now, Father, we praise you and thank you for this day. We thank you for blessing us with your word. In Jesus' name, amen.